this uh, sermon series we're involved in, uh, the fruits of the Spirit, have uh, has captured our attention as we've thought about the wonderful work of God in our lives, what it means to be renewed in him, and the fruit that we should and ought to expect. Now, by God's grace, we're not always thinking, oh, what fruit is there in my life, you know? Sometimes other people notice it before we do, and I think that's the way God would have it. Our scripture that we've been using is found in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22-23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And today we're on the fifth fruit. Is it one, two, three, four, five, sixth fruit? in that series, which is goodness. Goodness. Isn't goodness good? If someone says, um, you're a goody-goody, is that a compliment? Here's a goody-goody. I found an old picture of my wife. Actually, we, we, we kind of uh, uh, snicker at people who seem too good to be true, you know. But um, how do we explain goodness if it's not in this kind of uh, artificial manifestation? Well, when you explain goodness, you have to begin with God himself because God declares what is good. I have loved, since I've discovered it, the uh, poems in God's Trombones. This is a book of poems written by James Weldon Johnson, who wrote the hymn that we sang this morning, Lift Every Voice and Sing. And it is his analysis of, or remembrance of, the genius of black preaching from a previous generation, how Johnson lived in the early 1900s. So he was looking back at 19th century black preaching. And he tried to do justice to the power of the black Baptist preacher in a small town. And one of the poems recreating this is entitled The Creation. I would like to read part of this to you. And God stepped out on space And he looked around and said, I'm lonely. I'll make me a world. And far as the eye of God could see, darkness covered everything, blacker than a hundred midnights down in a cypress swamp. Then God smiled, and the light broke, and the darkness rolled up on one side, and the light stood shining on the other. And God said, that's good. Then God reached out and took the light in his hands. And God rolled the light around in his hands until he made it the sun. 
And he set that sun ablazing in the heavens. And the light that was left from making the sun, God gathered it up in a shining ball and he flung it against the darkness, spangling the night with the moon and the stars. Then down between the darkness and the light, he hurled the world. And God said, that's good. So God stepped over to the edge of the world and he spat out the seven seas. He batted his eyes, and the lightnings flashed. He clapped his hands, and the thunders rolled, and the waters above the earth came down, the cooling waters came down. Then the green grass sprouted, and the little red flowers blossomed. The pine tree pointed his fingers to the sky, and the oak spread out his arms. The lakes cuddled down in the hollows of the ground, and the rivers ran down to the sea. And God smiled again, and the rainbow appeared, and curled itself around his shoulder. Then God raised his arm. He waved his hand over the sea, over the land, and he said, bring forth, bring forth. And quicker than God could drop his hand, fishes and fowls and beasts and birds swam the rivers and the seas, roamed the forests and the woods, and split the air with their wings. And God said, that's good. That's good. God's creation. God defines what is good. And goodness is a quality close to his heart. It's almost as if goodness is godness. Fascinated with that, I was running to my uh, lectionary and looking for the origin of the word so I could prove that the word good comes from the word God, but it doesn't. <laughs> and yet, it seems so natural that goodness is godness. And we're finding that these qualities, they started with very uh, discrete qualities like love, joy, and peace. But now we're seeing them kind of blend together. The line between kindness, last week's word, and goodness, this week's word, is not clear. And the words that are coming up, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and they blend together. There's a continuity, and we're going to find that what is being described is not nine fruits of the Spirit, but one thing, and that is Christian character. Christian character, which is defined by our goodness or our godness, by the way we reflect God in our lives. I'm going to turn in the scripture to the story of the rich young ruler, young man who came to Jesus and it became an important part of our gospel story in Mark chapter 10, verse 17. As Jesus was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. <laughs> what a startling response. I mean, good teacher was probably just a polite way of addressing someone. But Jesus focused on that word, good, and said it is a word that ultimately belongs only to God. 
and we can see from our perspective that there's a lot of subtlety in this because Jesus was God in the flesh and he did deserve the title good but he was challenging this man to think about what he was saying when he said good teacher and remember that lesson from James Weldon Johnson's poem that's good Jesus was saying what is it that someone sees in a person that calls him good and he applies it to this young man Mark 10, 19. You know the commandments, Jesus said. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He lists some things that would clearly be defined as among the good things that we can experience in our relationship. And and yet these acts of goodness they are put in a negative terminology and roughly reflect the Ten Commandments. But he only focuses on what is called the second table of the law. You remember the first table of the law focuses on our relationship with God. The second table focuses on our relationships with one another. And when Jesus tells the young man about these relationships, he uh, puts it in terms that he would understand. He knows what murder is. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. The man could clearly say this, but now, well, who was this man? He's defined as a rich young man, and his riches are the problem, and Jesus knows that. And so the things he focuses on here are interesting beyond murder and adultery. He says, you shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Now, stealing and bearing false witness are part of that second table of the law. Defraud? Why did he add that? Because rich people tend to defraud. That's how they get and maintain their wealth. So he puts in a word for stealing, a word for not being quite truthful, and then a word for taking advantage through deceit, defrauding. All of these things Jesus lists, and then he says as a last one, honor your father and mother. All of these are particularly relevant to this young man, and the man said in Mark 1020. Teacher, I have kept all of these since my youth. And I think he was being honest. I think he was a person who did his very best to keep the law. But Jesus did something, well, striking and something awful to this particular young man. Now, it says he did it out of love. This is interesting. Verse 31, Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go and sell what you own and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. 
When he heard this, he was shocked and went his way grieving, for he had many possessions. Jesus knew that that was this young man's problem. And he had to face him with it. And it was a, 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 a deadly problem. He couldn't face, he couldn't deal with it. And that's why he did not follow Jesus. Goodness is not a list of commandments. Goodness is not slavish obedience. Goodness is not being able to say, I've fulfilled all of these things, Lord. Then Jesus says, where's your heart? Is goodness in your heart? Is goodness in your heart? How do you respond when you see a poor beggar? Do you justify your riches or do you feel obligated to help him? That's, that's where goodness meets life. The Apostle Paul wrote about goodness and he uses the same word in describing God's goodness and how God imparts his goodness to us. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning with verse 11. Therefore, we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of his calling, of this calling. So what does it mean to be worthy of God's calling? Well, he describes what he means by this. And to fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness. Don't you like that? All the good pleasure of his goodness. This is particularly rich in the King James Version. That's why I've selected it here, because it, it just gets the idea that God is part of God's sanctification of us, and the essential part of it is his imparting his character to us, his goodness to us, and enriching our lives by that. And therefore... On verse 12, that, that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ might be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. Since our goodness is an extension of God's own nature, it has an absolute quality about it. That's a kind of interesting thing. You know the English words like big, better, best, high, higher, highest? Small, smaller, smallest. Good, gooder, goodest. No. English uses different words, good, and then it goes to better and best. Because the word good can't be, it's a kind of all or nothing word. And it has that kind of substance to it. Uh, Roland was telling us earlier about the many, many ways that he felt he could express himself, and a lot of them are talents and hobbies and possibilities in life. It's a wonderful thing to recognize all those things. Of course, you can't be uh, competent in all of them. But, you know, is there something in your life, it may be your work, if it's your work, that's wonderful. It might be a hobby. It might be artistic work of some kind. And and you've dabbled at it, and you you know you're you're a kind of amateur, so you never expect too much of yourself. But at one time, at one time, 
with one particular work, you said, that's good. You, you saw that you created something good. It was good because it expressed what was inside of you. And, and that was your creative act. That's good. A true representation of the ideal that you're trying to express. And uh, our goodness is God creating himself within us. And then he steps back and says, that's good. That's what it means to be good. This, what we think of as good acts, the uh, uh, following the law and the commandments, um, this is the tip of the iceberg. Most of the iceberg, science tells us about 90% of the iceberg is underwater. The behavior, the good behavior, comes out of our values and our beliefs and our assumptions and our worldview. And if our worldview and values and beliefs and assumptions are engulfed by God's spirit, then we are good, naturally good, because it emanates from his character in us. So a final image I want to share with you is... Uh, father uh, sending his little kid off to school you know what that's like <laughs> when you see your kid and you say I can't be there to protect them you know and you're you're giving last instruction what 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 is the last thing you say what is the last thing that father says after all what does he say be good <laughs> be good now what, what does he mean by this well the kid knows because he knows his father and when the father says, be good, he means live up to all the qualities, standards, values that I've imparted to you. And essentially, when the father says, be good, he's saying, be like me. And if you're dad, if you're a dad and you send your kid off to school, and you watch him walk away after you've said, be good, you might step back and look at that child and say, that's good. That's good. So that, that's what I envision God doing with the new creation that is each one of us. When he sees his quality, his character expressed in our lives, he must be saying, that's good. That's good. When you want to get down on yourself for all the things you're failing at, think about God sending you off to the school of the world with his character inside of you. And hear his words. That's good. So, Lord, we do thank you. That goodness is not anything we do, but it's something you do in us. We pray that you will help us to not stand in the way because of all of our ideas and values and ups and downs and rules and regulations and even the laws which we obey. 
but to just let your goodness be so full in us that it oozes out to other people in our daily lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.